This podcast is supported by the University of Tartu Astra Project Peraspera, financed by the European Regional Development Fund. Hey everyone, welcome to the Communicating Science Podcast, where we discuss the challenges and pitfalls of PhD research and hopefully give you some insight and advice. Welcome, and today we are going to have a discussion with Rui Alves. Uh, Rui Alves is an assistant professor of psychology at the University of Porto. Let me start out by saying just a few words to introduce our guest and his research. Rui's main research interests are the cognitive and effective processes in writing, as well as literacy instruction, literacy development, and learning disorders. He serves in several editorial boards and is associate editor to the journals Reading and Writing and Culture and Education. He's former coordinator of the Special Interest Group on Writing of the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction. Currently, he serves as the chair to the Cost Action IS1401, also known as the European Literacy Network, ELN, which was established in 2014. Um, well, very welcome, uh, Rui. Uh, we're very happy to have you here. And um, I'd like to just well, start with the first question. So perhaps you could maybe tell us a little bit about the aims and goals of ELN. What does the network do and how is it organized? Okay, well, well. first of all, let me say that it's a real pleasure to be here in Tartu and to have this opportunity really to, to keep the, this network running for, for, the, for the future. Actually, that I think was one of the main concerns of our cost action and actually put it, it right in, up front in our uh, network's title. We, we are the European Literacy Network and we want to strengthen individuals' capacities in, in literacy. So uh, one main goal for, for us was and uh, still is to coordinate research that is done uh, in, in Europe mainly, well, our main focus is in Europe and we are receiving, well, of this uh, 500 members there are several research traditions in uh, in reading, writing research, uh, and from uh, very young children to to adults, and uh, so actually the the main activities that the network has been doing since the, the last four years is really uh, are the the cost initiatives, and typically cost actions are networking. Uh, opportunities so that we organize uh, conferences, we organize training schools for mostly for PhD students to get some uh, uh, capacities in, in, in some research domain. Typically we are very focused on, on research and um, for instance another networking tool that uh, ELN has been using is the so-called STSM, so short-term scientific missions, where researchers, again typically starting uh, early starting career researchers, go from one um, one lab or from one research group to visit another research group and to learn something and to carry out some uh, some research work together. So uh, basically, what we 
been doing is really this uh, several initiatives that put researchers and we are actually we are trying to engage more with practitioners and stakeholders in the literacy field and for instance last uh, November we just organized the, the closing event for our cost action that was the the portal literacy summit and really what we well we first of all we did not call it a conference because really we wanted to be more than 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 presenting your research we wanted to and i think we we managed to succeed it at porto to bring together practitioners uh, app developers because well as we are well aware there are many tools that can improve your literacy skills and there are also many tools for studying literacy so and research and of course with the summit we're trying to connect uh, these three large do domains uh, in in literacy so uh, well I, I mean I, I think following up on that question um, because well Estonian actually just joined in, in 2016 and then at that time you had already well, run the network for um, uh, for two years so I think it's more or less the question. Well, was there a need for a literacy network? So, so what is the you know the the main aim and and goal of saying okay, well, we need to bring people from literacy research together in order to support. Yes, yes, I, I do think that uh, there was a, a need for, for it and because, well, throughout the years and my story actually with cost actions, it, it involves several cost actions, for instance, since uh, <clears throat> the beginning in, uh, well, when I kind of uh, ended my master's and, and started my PhD studies in back in 2000. Uh, I was part, I was a, a young researcher carrying an STSM under, at the time this is the, was cost A8 uh, network that was learning disorders as a barrier to human development that mm -hmm. sort of. That is the typical titles that we get in, in cost actions. And, and really that uh, first visit that I made at the time I went to, to Lund University to collaborate with some colleagues uh, doing some online research on, on writing, I really it proved to me the value of, of networking and bringing together different uh, research traditions and, and open uh, research opportunities. So from the, this very beginning on I was quite uh, attracted with, uh, with cost actions. And, uh, and and then uh, in back in 2008, uh, specifically, specifically focusing on uh, writing research, we had a, another cost action that was called Learning to Write Effectively, that was led by a colleague in, in Paris, the, the Niela Margot. And again, in that, in that action, I took a more prominent role in the sense that we had a working group related to early literacy. And uh, and then uh, at the time by 2012 it was my time to to to, to propose and uh, and to to try to keep because one main concern that I got from the the, the previous cost action is that that's that wonderful work that is done and. and several points of the network get connected but as soon as cost action ends mm -hmm. uh, some parts of the network dissipate and so for uh, as uh, for me it was the, this uh, third try of uh, establishing a network from the very beginning that we decided that it was not my decision it was a core group that formulated the initial uh, proposal and application was really to establish this European literacy network that can last longer than the typical cost action of four years because and the main issue for for that and the main reason is that 
as researchers, I think well, we can only do we can do our research, but uh, we are living in the societies to which we owe some to some input and some transformations that we might want to, to 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 push forward in society, and to do that those transformations in society, we need to 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 last longer. We need to have a presence in the in the in in society, and I think uh, the European Literacy Network can be that player that can last uh, hopefully many many years so that we can really as we're saying in our motto bridge the gap between literacy science and education because for well we are all connected with research and we know that uh, there's plenty of knowledge and sound knowledge that we are achieving that then we see that that that's not get translated into society into education particularly mm-hmm. And so uh, our aim from the beginning was really to keep this networking and uh, having uh, it uh, having a stake in the changing education and uh, trans- translating the, the empirical research being done in the literacy area in a ways that can be useful to improve society because I think we are all convinced that literacy can make uh, big differences in the way that people live their lives and uh, and. and, and do some work together and build a better world actually. So I mean maybe moving on to that from from well writing as as, as an important aspect uh, as you mentioned. So how I mean you are from from uh, Portugal um, and you also actually teach writing at your yeah. university. So I mean for for us we are working with with uh, PhD students and and developing writing competences and communicational competences and well we can call them you know literacy competences uh, so so how important is that we do actually research not only at those higher levels but also at early levels and what is your experience teaching writing as well at yeah. at your university well uh, at the university uh, i think that uh, and it might be a, a common complaint that uh, well we we always complain about education and we always complain that our students when they get to university they they are uh, not prepared to um, to do the things that we expect them mm-hmm. to do and for instance writing skills is a typical area we, where we blame saying our students don't know how to write mm-hmm. and then uh, uh, we have to teach them uh, again how to write and, and that this is a great mistake because uh, of course when our students get to university they know how to write but they don't probably don't know how to write in the specific genres and the mm-hmm. specific discourse that we came up with at university and that we change regularly and so really I think uh, welcoming students at the university implies uh, getting them acquainted with uh, with the, with the st- with the genres that are being uh, most fashionable at uh, the moment in the academia and in in research for research purpose also but 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 then really uh, the this is uh, i think should should not be understood as a a, a cutting or a point between in the in the, in in literacy development because really uh, what uh, we are, I think are talking about is really is a, a sort of continuous development that starts very uh, well very early on from uh, 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 even mothers uh, reading to their bellies uh, stories so literacy can really start at that very moment 
and really it takes it takes time to develop uh, what we call the, the literate mind it's and that's made up of a very early on uh, basic skills in which uh, you, you need to get uh, uh, proficient, uh, fluent uh, handling. For instance, in the case of reading, we know quite uh, quite well uh, aware of the role that phonics play in uh, in getting uh, f achieving fluency in uh, in reading. And of course, the same for for writing. When you talk about handwriting and being and and and, uh, uh, and spelling, for, for instance, skill. And of course, and and even sometimes, for instance, at the higher education, we can play. Oh, our students, they do. Uh, many spelling mistakes which is for some mentalities can be kind of awful thing that oh they haven't learned yet, yet mm -hmm. how to spell words mm -hmm. but things are uh, changed but uh, but I, I think we need also to to take a look at this development that uh, is occurring from very early on and it it can well literacy has no end point actually mm -hmm. as science shows it very well there's no end point for literacy uh, but I think we, we need to have a conception of uh, the, the development of, uh, of literacy that goes from very basic skills early on related with, uh, with what we typically in writing call the mechanics of writing, for instance, or, or the mechanics of, of, of reading. But uh, then this is just a, a first step in uh, your literate development, is a step that will allow you to participate uh, in society, in the, in the kind of uh, communities, activities that imply reading and writing. And uh, uh, some time ago, or we had this expectation that technology will, would uh, erase the use for reading and, and writing, and, and it's not that the case. I think even the social technologies mm -hmm. uh, are really based on reading and, and, and writing. But then, so uh, I think we should not miss that you need to become proficient in these very uh, basic skills to, to learn how to read uh, and write because this will, it's what allow you to participate uh, in the activities of the, of the community. But then the, the thing does not stop there and it, well, it can stop for, well, we know that some parts of our populations may, might not even uh, reach this threshold participation. But, uh, but the thing does not stop there because what we are seeing, I think uh, the worlds we live in right now, I think uh, rely heavily on literacy. We rely heavily on the written code and uh, for instance, science is an accumulation of uh, discoveries of the, te well, the, the te technology is based on that. But for instance, even the law is just a set of uh, rules and, and uh, written, uh, written language. But uh, the thing is that that is so, uh, well, we call them Institutions, actually, these are the institutions that are based on, on, on written language, and we realize that uh, at some point you can try to change those institutions. And of course, you can change institutions through very different ways. But uh, one way that I w w would say that uh, would be um, the most uh, uh, 
I'm trying to avoid the word pacific, <laughs> or mm -hmm. to, but the best way to also effective to um, to to change uh, those institutions is to uh, written language to become expert in a, in a, in a given domain, and then through that you can reflect on what is uh, wrong or, or or the individuals or a group of individuals think that is wrong, and to change that you normally will need to change the law. You need to get to be become an expert in a given field so that uh, you can uh, do some transformation uh, activities in, in a specific literate field so and then this uh, this last set of uh, transformative actions i think are typically what we request from uh, higher education so uh, really we i think at the higher education we we should be co concerned about promoting this kind of reflexive skills that might allow students to change reality actually to uh, and uh, well, and that of course that it's quite difficult to do, but I think I see it as part of the, the, the literate development, mm -hmm. getting to a first point where you are able to participate, mm -hmm. but, uh, but then uh, you have to become even more literate to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to be effective in promoting some changes in, in society. And that's, uh, well, mm -hmm. I think where I see the continuum the, throughout literacy development until higher education. Yeah. I, I really uh, like what you mentioned about um, you know how literacy also somewhat changes reality and, and when we talk to to PhD students about writing journal articles I mean quite often this is something that we we emphasize so of course that when you are writing up your science you have to write up the science in order to you know change the per perspectives of readers or at least that they will learn something in the way that you have conducted your research and the outcomes of your research and the implications that it has. So again, trying to somewhat change, well, reality in that yeah, sense, yeah. and that's um, I think that that follows in quite nicely. Then even we have to do that at early stages, but we certainly also have to do that at later stages. Yeah, so. yeah because uh, our reality, as you say, I think is heavily constructed, and uh, it's heavily constructed upon literate practices. Of course, there's other parts of, of reality also, but. Uh, I think that uh, the literacy can give you skills to 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 perform better mm -hmm. and to to have a, a better view or a more realistic view of what is real or, or not and mm -hmm. and and uh, really the the kind of world that I think the digital revolution is pushing us towards is a, a world where distinguishing between reality and fiction will become ever more mm -hmm. difficult because really probably there's no, well, we, as scientists we'd like to believe that there's a big difference between reality and fiction but uh, there is not and uh, you need just to talk uh, to a taxi driver in the streets to see the sort of fictions that drive uh, people's lives and uh, and uh, but uh, i think the, yeah if we want to to push society forward we need to relate with uh, those the sort of fictions that are fashionable at the, at the very moment and at this very moment i think in europe and worldwide the sort of fiction that is leading uh, uh, 
the world is kind of dangerous in the sense that it's pushing for fragmentation across countries and and uh, and really that can have very dangerous consequences for for humanity because well we have always this strength in between emphasizing uh, convergence or divergence across humans and uh, and we hope that with ELN we can uh, bring uh, more forces to convergence, to bring people together and to, to share some common uh, ideals, some common, uh, well, human rights, for instance, we could claim that they are a fiction, but they are the sort of fiction that uh, we, at ELN we believe that will push uh, humankind for, forward. But, uh, but uh, yeah, this, uh, and then we like to believe that uh, being highly literate puts you in a good position to uh, to handle these uh, fictions that uh, humans need to to, mm -hmm. to, to ful fulfill their lives or something. Mm -hmm. right. um, so that also feeds into, I suppose, one of the other themes that we have, which is related to, um, I suppose, you know, other languages. So the ELN network is made up of, um, I mean, how many different countries? I think it was about 30 different countries or even yeah. more. Yeah. Um, so 33. Okay. And, um, and, and of course, that all of these countries, you know, have different languages. Mm -hmm. um, so when we talk about literacy, of course, we don't only talk about, you know, scientific literacy that we quite often refer to as just being the English language in which you have to write your articles. Uh, but also the importance of, of local languages, for example, yeah. Portuguese, yeah. in our context, uh, Estonian. Um, so in, in, in your experience and also with the ELN network, so how, so how are, are the discussions about individual languages uh, uh, yeah. tackled? Yeah, definitely. I think we need to look at it as a richness of Europe mm -hmm. in, in the sense that uh, there's a great value in the diversity in the sense that really languages are a way or specific ways to look into reality and formulate it in ways that are somewhat different uh, across the, the languages. So. I think there's really great value and uh, the diversity. Actually, it's not by coincidence that uh, the motto of the European Union is uh, unity uh, on diversity. Uh, and uh, so I think this, but this implies that uh, we have a, at the European Union uh, a communication issue that uh, I think we need to tackle both the local, the national languages and have a way, for instance, at ELN, we try to, to spread and disseminate uh, research findings and other initiatives through the several languages of, of the network. For instance, right now, our newsletter is spread across the network in the 17 languages but then uh, at the same time well we've been here in, in Tartu for the last days and we've all been speaking in English so mm -hmm. but uh, even for instance uh, the other day a colleague was uh, considering the situation in some for instance eastern countries uh, in Europe where uh, having a second language does not seem a valuable thing and that uh, for instance where there's a stress for just teaching uh, one mother uh, the mother tongue of that particular country. And this, I think, will pose several difficulties for Europe because 
we need to have a place and a, and and, and a being in a highly translated uh, union with many official languages and so on. But then also we need to have some working languages in that uh, in which we can formulate common purposes for for the for the for the union. So, but uh, as I, I, I see it, I think really there's a great value in the, the diversity of languages. And, uh, and uh, well, of course, for, for instance, uh, literacy development, that's a richness uh, because we can look at uh, reading development, for instance, in a, uh, well, a shallow orthography as German or a deep orthography as uh, English. And, uh, and, uh, and we know that uh, there are differences uh, across uh, all the, the ways uh, that the written language is coded in each language. So, and, and that, uh, I think, will put us, the Europeans, in a better position to understand literacy developments all over the world, uh, where, uh, that are not so confronted with the diversity of language, but uh, I think the, the, this diversity is a, is a richness that uh, puts us in a better position to understand development mm -hmm. of, of the literate mind. Mm -hmm. <coughs> uh, maybe as a, as a last uh, question, um, if, if you... Uh, well, consider, of course, the future of, of ELN and um, so, so how a literacy network is able to, for example, push boundaries or, you know, push research agendas. Um, can, you, can you, for example, also, again, within your own context, see that, that you know, taking uh, this, this large network approach, does it, does it change policy or does it change the way that universities or schools actually approach uh, literacy? So at what level... Is there a, a an influence, and and do you think that there's a necessity to increase that influence in in years to come, for example, at the level of of policy making in in Brussels or or research agendas, for example? Yes, uh, definitely. I think I fully agree with with you because uh, and uh, that's the the value I think of the work that we've been doing here in Tartu. This because what uh, I think these five literacy networks that are coming to an end in in April are doing together right now is really to. Uh, see, look, uh, having a look into the future, and, and as mostly researchers, we know quite well what what are the the topics that are needed to to be discussed and researched, and so what we are doing here in in Tarto is really to come uh, up with uh, six or seven themes that are the the drivers of uh, literacy research in the uh, uh, next ten years, for instance, in, in not only in Europe because having this richness. Of, uh, of, uh, of countries and language and diversity, what we'll be doing in Europe will be valuable for the whole world. So that's why uh, richness in language is it's quite important for Europe to have a, uh, a prominent position leading the um, literacy research uh, worldwide. And um, and so, for instance, I'll give you some examples of, uh, of the, the topics that... Um, we were discussing here in, in Tartu. They, <clears throat> they come, for instance, as uh, multilingualism. That is uh, a, a big area of, uh, of research that uh, ELN has carried some work on. Uh, for instance, uh, another topic that I will push uh, the literacy network forward in research is looking at higher education and the institutional models uh, of um, 
how to teach language teachers are trained, for instance, for uh, for training uh, students, uh, well, throughout the life the life cycle. Well, of course, the, another prominent team that is uh, driving ELN con relates with some uh, concerns that digital revolution is posing into the human mind, for instance. Uh, we know quite that it, it seems to make a difference reading a book on a tablet or reading a, in, in paper. So, and uh, that's uh, clearly a, a topic that uh, will be much researched in years to, to come. Of course, literacy development is a, another huge topic and uh, of, uh, as well, from my background in psychology, I'm always a, a little bit worried also with the learning disabilities and, mm -hmm. uh, and some barriers early on that can risk your literate achievements. So, and I think that uh, we need to put this themes of research and the results that we got from the network up front uh, at the level at the global level because well when uh, we talk as European Union we are talking to the United States to China to, to Russia to so it's really and I think uh, the richness of a uh, language that we have in Europe put us in a good position to affirm uh, literacy research at the global level but not only as I will like to emphasize in the with the, in the ELN network is not just literacy research by itself. It's literacy research coupled with a certain number of values that uh, we think uh, are valuable to promote to, to build a better world. And typically those values are seen as the humanistic values or the European values, sometimes we even call them the European values, but mm -hmm. many people in the uh, Orient or in the, in the Eastern uh, part will agree that uh, Human rights are a quite fundamental aspect of our common future. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think we need to affirm also those uh, values uh, at the global level because uh, I'm afraid they, they are being at, uh, at risk uh, in the current world that we live. But so, but this is, well, is that the values that we want to, to promote. But our main job is, of course, literacy research, and that's what we'll be doing in, and promoting in years to come. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, thank you very much for, well, first of all, coming to Tartu oh. and, uh, and we are incredibly excited also to be uh, well, part of the ELN network and, um, and of course we'll be striving forward as well uh, with all the research and, um, and uh, well, human capacity which is, uh, which is available there. So again, thank you very much, uh, Rui. And, oh. uh, well, well, th thank you, Diodá and mm -hmm. Annie, for uh, having us the, the, this uh, cost uh, ELN meeting. It's really wonderful to, mm -hmm. to have here and to involve um, uh, all these uh, these countries, all this group of researchers that uh, I think are doing a, a huge job to, to improve the, our world. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for having uh, ELN at Tartu University. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to check out our Facebook and university webpage. We want to hear your questions and feedback, so message us on Facebook and we'll be answering you on a later podcast. Bye-bye for now.